Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Boy, and the Wisconsin DNR are already putting out warnings, reminding people that the fire danger statewide in Wisconsin is very high and that Wisconsinites need to be on high alert this weekend. They say the forecast is expected to bring low humidity, breezy conditions and warmer temperatures, and vegetation is drying out, which makes it easier for a fire to start and to spread. So if you're going to be outdoors or we're thinking about some of those projects this weekend, maybe think again. We've got details up on their forecast at MidwestFarmReport.com. The weather does look like it's going to be fairly dry this weekend. Today we'll look for a daytime high under cloudy skies right around 58 degrees. Tomorrow, morning clouds and then afternoon sunshine. 61 are expected high on Saturday. And Sunday, mostly cloudy skies, 51 doesn't really look like we've got much of a chance of rain in the forecast until at least the front part of next week. We'll find out what Stu Muck has to say about that. He'll join us in about 15 minutes. We need you and your rain gauge. It's time for the Rural Mutual Rainfall Report, and we need you to text your rainfall reports to 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Be sure and include your name and where you're reporting from, because every month we'll pick a winner that will get a digital weather station, courtesy of the Midwest Farm Report and Rural Mutual Insurance. Premiums paid here, stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. Now that we're into April, the weekly crop progress reports come out covering not all crops in Wisconsin, but most. Bob Osel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn and one of the newer crops grown in Wisconsin and many other parts of the country the last few years has been hemp. And Pam, while we'll have the, the final rules, we, we don't get an update on the progress of uh, growing the crop, do we? No, no, not unless you talk to somebody that's growing it themselves. Bob, fabulous farm bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. But I'll tell you, the crop, even into its fourth growing season, still remains uh, of high interest, not just for farmers, for processors, consumers as well. I uh, talked about it with our friend uh, Brian Kuhn, administrator at the Wisconsin Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection. And there are some regulatory changes coming up this year for Wisconsin's hemp growers and producers. We talked about that as well. What really kind of shocked me, or maybe shouldn't say shocked, but surprised me is that this year, Numbers are down as far as those processors and growers that are actually requesting the permit. Now, granted, they accept permits throughout the year, but Kuhn tells me that processor numbers are down by about 50%. Grower numbers are down by 60%. And I asked him to explain to me why. That's not just Wisconsin. That's kind of all states are seeing that that similar significant reduction in the number of people in the programs. Um, and that more than likely, you know, there's a number of factors playing into that. I think uh, by and large, we, we've had COVID. So that, that just added a whole layer of uncertainty and challenge to growers uh, in agriculture at large, but certainly impacted hemp as well. Um, and then markets, um, you know, we've had significant numbers in our program and all states saw that as well. So we've had significant uh, production of hemp over the last two years with these very uh, large increases in, in the number of growers producing hemp. 
Um, and, and again, the challenge is still that the, the markets um, finding that that market um, and supply chain to kind of sell to sell your crop into has been a challenge uh, for growers. Um, so I think that's that high production um, still, you know, has, has kind of brought prices down. Um, and then you've got corn and soybean prices playing into that, too. Right. Established markets, known known um, production practices to growers. Um, I think that's another piece uh, that's playing into why are, are there less people um, licensing to grow hemp this year? What do your numbers look like? Do you have actual numbers, Brian? But yeah, the the number of licensees are um, are on our, our website, but rough numbers uh, as of this morning, we've got about six hundred, um, or we've got about three hundred and five processors uh, that have uh, gotten a license and registration for this year, and those are issued. We still have some, you know, we're processing applications every day, but the ones what we've issued to date. Uh, are 305 um, processor applications or licenses, and that's compared to about 619 last year uh, for the whole year. And then uh, we've issued 472 uh, grower license and registration, and that's compared to about 1,249 um, from all of last year. So we'll continue to we'll continue to to you know add licenses as people apply, uh, but certainly we would expect that the bulk of folks that are really thinking about growing hemp, um, you know, the, the the large majority have probably already put their applications in for this year. Now, just because we're talking about lower numbers doesn't necessarily mean lower acres. When you kind of take a look at that grower pool, Brian. Are we, are we maintaining acres, or is that taking an equal shot? That that one I don't have good statistics on to to um, to tell you because people tend to license for a larger number of acreage, you know, the maximum they might plant, and then they they typically are planting, you know, significantly smaller than that. Um, but my anticipation would be that acreage would be down um, as well. Uh, we were, I believe, we were right around um, 5,000 acres uh, last year for for production, and so my my expectation would be uh, that that number would come down with uh, with the substantial reduction in in, in licensees this year. Uh, but we'll, like you say, that that doesn't go necessarily hand in hand. Right. Um, a you could have one one grower that that decides they have the market and they have a place to, they know they're going to go with that crop and they could still produce um, significant acreage because they do have the market to sell into. Right. So let's talk a little bit about the markets. Have you seen any area that has gotten more traction as far as marketing versus another? Are we still uh, looking at that oil market? Are we getting into more of the uh, edible types of uh, hemp? Tell me where you're seeing growth or expansion if at all yeah i would you know most most growers uh in wisconsin were focused on that cbd um oil market so um that that's been you know probably 90 well certainly 90 plus percent of our growers have identified that as the market that they've been uh that they've targeted and again because of that production level over the last couple of years um nationwide that the prices for CBD have have come down um, quite a bit, 
Uh, so then, you know, so then people are looking for for alternatives. Uh, but we haven't seen really that that growth in, in or or expansion into other areas um, like grain and, and fiber. I think you know those may be those longer term um, you know more sustainable markets as they develop. Um, but right now those are still uh, equally you know developing markets, and we haven't seen a big shift. So there's always been a few growers that are focused on those fiber and um, uh, grain, the fiber and grain area. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think those are still, those are ones that take um, substantial infrastructure for processing. And that's the challenge is that, you know, all of that has to be reestablished and, um, and, and rebuilt. And, and again, we do hear talk and I, and I do uh, receive contacts from folks that are, you know, discussing and, and finding investors with the concept of building um, significant um, processing facilities, um, but you know it, it, right. it's just taken a while for those to sure. establish and to pay off. Yeah. Well, one thing that didn't take uh, a long time was uh, making sure that we knew what the guidelines were going to be as far as hemp production this year and beyond. Give us an update, Brian, on how you've been kind of pivoting and working with our permitting process relative to USDA. That started already last fall, and you had another flex this year that also adjusted things. Explain that. Yeah, so the uh, we we had decided as a state to stay under the 2014 Farm Bill program. The feds had published a, a interim uh, final rule for hemp production, and that was fairly restrictive. And so we decided it was you know from what we could see, it appeared that it would be better for Wisconsin growers to stay under the under the old original program. So that's what we're still operating under what we've been doing. And, and, and so this year already USDA published a final rule for hemp production. And so that's one that we saw at least a few provisions. So they definitely moderated um, their, their perspective on a number of areas <clears throat> that we felt were beneficial to, uh, to our Wisconsin growers. And so we are right now in the process of actually um implementing another emergency rule to grab a couple of provisions of that new uh, final rule that the, that the feds put out and the, the, the couple of uh, provisions that are most important uh, we think to our growers is uh, there's a, a remediation provision in there that allows, um, allows an opportunity to remediate a crop that has a high THC content, uh, which before there was not that it was not an option available to us. Um, and so if you produced a crop that was greater than that 0.3% THC, the crop had to be destroyed. And that was really the only option. And now there's at least an option to um, attempt to rehabilitate, um, you know, to, to lessen that uh, THC content and get a retest and, and then um, see if, they, if you can get, your, get that crop um, to a place that it could go to market still. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one that we're we're looking to adopt, um, hope, hopefully here in the next month, uh, through an emergency rule process. And then the other one is negligent violations. There's a provision um, in in the federal and in our state law that basically says if you have three negligent violations um, in a five year period, you have to take a five year. Um, you're not allowed to grow hemp in the program for five years. So it, it bans you for a five year period. 
and the, probably the easiest way to get a negligent violation is producing a hot crop. Um, so now with uh, the, the, the new provisions under the final rule, uh, again, that we're adopting now, um, limit that, limit you to one negligent violation a year. And it allows you, it, it raises that, that hot crop level up to 1%, um, whereas before it was at 05 So if you, you know, under the old program, uh, you could produce, um, potentially if you had three different locations you were growing hemp at, and all three of them exceeded um, 0.5 THC content, you could, in one year, you could be, kind of take yourself out of the program um, through that negligent violation process. Um, so this, this just, you know, we think it's more beneficial to our growers. It would, you know, it would, it will reduce dramatically the potential for a grower to have a negligent violation. And even if they do, it would limit that to just a maximum of one per year. So a few changes for our Wisconsin hemp producers and processors to keep in mind for 2021. That's Brian Kuhn. He's the division administrator at the Wisconsin Department of Ag Trade and Consumer Protection that oversees the program. But as he pointed out at the outset, processor interest down by about 50% this year, grower interest in industrial hemp down about 60%. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. There have been multiple instances of scammers impersonating Madison police officers and detectives. A 27-year-old man told officers he was contacted by MPD officer Rick Foster and the caller ID displayed the MPD North District's main number. The victim was asked to send money through a money app. The victim later confirmed with MPD that this was a scam and nobody by the name of Rick Foster is employed with MPD. These types of calls are scams with people impersonating the authorities and conjuring up different schemes to people into giving them money. Remember, scammers can spoof your caller ID. Please visit the Federal Trade Commission Consumer Information website for more details on these types of scams and steps you can take to protect yourself. If you have any information regarding similar scams, please contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. Individuals contacting Crime Stoppers can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward. You already know that worms approve our shredded topsoil, but did you know that seeds also love our special blend of garden mix? It's packed with nutrients that plants need to grow to their full potential. Visit KalaniTopsoil.com for delivery, or you can simply pick it up at our awesome processing plant. Then watch that garden grow with tons of fresh vegetables or beautiful plants and flowers. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. You bet she thinks your tractor's sexy. This is the Midwest Farm Report 
with Pam Young. Oh, and if this weather keeps up, we might actually see tractors back out on the road again. And that means road safety, a priority this spring. Let's talk about it. Time for your Compure Financial Ag Weather Updates. Too much along with us. Yeah, you know, at least, uh, you know, the DNR is worried that it's so dry we're in uh, fire danger. But the dry means that if the soil ever does warm up, we can get back out there and get going with spring planting pretty quick. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's been a lot of manure hauled wherever the the chance permits, you know, and in between events we've seen. But yeah, we are, as you said, in the dry side. The DNR is worried about that for fire danger. I expect we stay dry yet today. As you look at the weather map, you see this front way out to the west in the Dakotas. It's trying to push on in. Nothing that's going to be an imminent threat for us. There's some rain out in eastern North Dakota, northwest Minnesota, and some sprinkly showers in east central and southeast Minnesota that will try to push on into the western part of our state. Not a big concern yet. I expect mostly cloudy skies around for today, and it may not be until late today or into the night in western Wisconsin that a few scattered showers or some light rain develop, and then they'll travel east and a bit southeast on into southern and central and eastern Wisconsin as we move on toward late tonight or even on toward Saturday. Very light rain. If rain amounts hit a tenth of an inch, that could be about it. But that front passes and we do stay a little cooler, especially on towards Sunday and the cool air Sunday may be enough to mix up a little instability with some very light rain or maybe a few stray snowflakes on towards Sunday night or into Monday. The weather pattern into early next week looks to be a little more unsettled, meaning a few more chances of precipitation. I'll have forecast details right after this. Keeping Wisconsin strong. You're grateful for all the ways technology can connect us. Unfortunately, there are online scammers who want to take advantage. Malicious viruses, phishing scams, and identity theft are more prevalent than ever. That's why Rural Mutual includes cybersecurity protection as an option on every policy. Rural Mutual Insurance. Keeping Wisconsin strong. Everyone at the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board lives and breathes Wisconsin soybeans and can be your knowledgeable ally in the field and at home. With important grower alerts, timely production advice and industry news, and expert-generated grower research, we are the resource to help your crop and business thrive. Stay in the know and connect with the Wisconsin soybean community by finding Badger Bean on Facebook or by visiting badgerbean.com. All righty, Stu, let's have the forecast for the weekend and take us into next week. Oh, will do. Let's talk mostly cloudy skies today. Still very fine in the upper 50s with the southwest winds 5 to 15, a little gusty in western Wisconsin as well. Mostly cloudy tonight. And then the west, that possibility of a few sprinkly showers developing, you know, in the early morning hours, 2, 3, 4 a.m. I'd still expect nighttime lows just down toward the low 40s. Southwest winds only about 5 to 10, even diminish overnight. Still some chance of a little rain in the west in the morning, mostly cloudy on Saturday, and there may be some sprinkly showers developing in the afternoon east and south. Temps still up in the upper 50s, and the winds gradually turn to the northwest in the day about 5 to 10. That little bit of precip could last into Saturday night in the east, 
By Sunday, there may actually be a little sun, early clouds build in again, low 50s, cooler air, north winds about 5 to 10. But even then, late Sunday into Monday, a little light rain, maybe some early morning snowflakes Monday, some sun, but more mild, upper 60s, almost 70 at least on Monday, Pam. But like I said, it'll be a little more unsettled. There'll be more chances of showers and things like that from Monday into Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday as well. All right. I'm just going to look forward to the temperatures right now, and then you fill in the details on Monday, okay? All right. You you look forward to almost 70. (laughs) Okay, I will. Thanks. Have a good weekend, Stu. Yep. Take care. Stu Acker, Ag Meteorologist, with your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Compure Financial, your financial partner, committed to agriculture and rural America. Visit Compure.com. More good news for you on a Friday. Dairy Pride Act is back And county fairs are, too. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Compere Financial helped us get into our forever home. They helped me expand more than acreage. And helped our dairy grow for the next generation. At Compere Financial, we see potential in every plan. Our focus on exceptional client experience is at the heart of everything we do, and our financial team will help make every step easy and convenient. See why our clients trust us to make their goals possible. Compure Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and equal opportunity provider. And MLS number 619731, copyright 2021, all rights reserved. Prairie exterior, now that's impressive. The roofing, gutter, siding, and window team. Transform the look of your home. Superior service without compromising. Online at prairieexteriors.com. Prairie Exteriors, now that's impressive. The River Food Pantry, Dane County's busiest food pantry, celebrates 15 years of caring, compassion, and community. The River's Birthday Bash is Saturday, May 15th, with music, raffles, food, drinks, and goodie bags all served curbside. You'll take home a beautiful meal, enjoy music, a wine pool, and raffle, all from the safety of your car, and all while supporting Dane County families facing food insecurity. Go to riverfoodpantry.org for tickets. Celebrating 15 years of caring, compassion, and community. Riverfoodpantry.org. Looking for that unique, one-of-a-kind engagement ring, something that you can customize yourself, maybe a gorgeous pendant necklace, diamond earrings. The place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They're an icon in Madison. They've been around forever and right on State Street in their same location, a couple blocks from the state capitol. They're the place to go to when it comes to buying jewelry. Goodman's Jewelers has everything from the more traditional style jewelry for your engagement rings, pendants, necklaces, earrings, to the more modern styles as well. They can customize and create anything for you. Unique, funky diamonds, one-of-a-kind pieces, stuff you won't find anywhere else, and price range for everyone. When you step into Goodman's Jewelers, you'll feel the warmth and you'll feel welcome. They'll treat you just like family. You want to go somewhere where you can trust when you're buying jewelry for that special someone? Then remember my friends and family at Goodman's Jewelers. Right there, a couple blocks from the state capitol on State Street. Goodman's Jewelers. You no longer have to hide your hands. Your hands have been taking care of everyone else. Isn't it time that you take care of your hands? A skincare minute with skincare expert, Michelle Neeson. Did you know there are several aesthetic treatments that help your hands look brighter, healthier, and more youthful? 
Treatments such as broadband light and chemical or laser peels help with tone, texture, and getting rid of those stubborn age spots. Skin-type procedures can smooth out wrinkles and fine lines, as well as add new collagen. Dermal filler, like Restylane Lift, is used to improve the volume in the back of the hands. The results are noticed immediately, giving you a fuller, more hydrated appearance. Most treatments can last over a year and are more affordable than you might think. Now you can show off your hands with confidence. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Take a chill pill. Hi, my name is Tim O'Brien, owner of The Healthy Place. Do you battle stress, anxiety, or depression? You need to know about our top-selling product, Chill Pill. Chill Pill is a natural supplement with a simple herbal blend that works. Infused with magnolia bark to reduce cortisol for stress relief, L-theanine to calm the mind from anxious thoughts, and the amino acid 5-HTP to balance your serotonin levels and uplift the mood. Has anyone ever told you that you need to take a Chill Pill? Well, now you can for less than a dollar a day. After everything that we have all gone through this last year, we all need a chill pill. Talk to our wellness consultants today to see if chill pill is right for you. Come on over to any of our four locations for in-store shopping or curbside pickup. Or stay home and take advantage of our same-day delivery in Dane County. Free shipping, live chat feature on our website, and phone consultations. Stop in or check us out online at findyourhealthyplace.com. The Healthy Place. There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life of courage, and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this nation and each other. They still do. The few, the proud, the Marines. Hey, Rob, can you believe this? The draft is seven days away. Well, I, I can believe it, and I'm, I'm thrilled it's getting here because I feel like I've been writing about it for about two months, you know, <laughs> and it, 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 it does start to wear you out, and, and, and you talk to so many people, and you read so many things, and, and you go over so many different bios and scenarios and mock drafts and this and that, that by this time, I do have some draft fatigue, and I love the draft. I really do. I've always loved the draft. I just, it's it's time, and I, I can't wait for next Thursday, Evo, just just to get it here, and you know, fans can meet their next batch of Packers, and and we'll go from there. Well, Rob, you're right. We had another guy on earlier today from Bucky Smith Quarter, and uh, you know, doing a draft guide for Cheesehead TV. His name's Owen Reese, and Owen was like, "I have draft fatigue too. I'm ready for it to like get here and be over with. I am like my head spinning." All right, Rob. So with all that uh, information you got swirling around that noggin of yours, what do you think the Packers are going to do with that pick number twenty nine? I, I still just keep hammering offensive line. If I if I had to pick one positional group, Evo, it's it, it's certainly the group where not, you know not just this year but over the past two years they've taken the most hits. You know, Lindsley's the big name, obviously that that left him in free agency, and you have to replace the center. But then you look at the depth that they lost to Evo. I mean, Rick Wagner gave them eight nine solid games last year as as kind of a fill in tackle. Um, Lane Taylor left a week and a half ago to, to Houston. And, and again, if, if we've said this two years in a row, but, you know, if, if Lane Taylor had been healthy coming into this, this training camp in 2021, Evo, I, I really think he had a chance 
again, the key with him was always health, but I, I really think he had a chance to be a starting guard with, with what they've lost here this, this off season. So you're talking three of their top seven, three of their top eight from a year ago. You throw in Brian Balaga, you know, who they, you know, another guy like Lindsay who went out to the chargers in, in the past 13, 14 months here. And, and they're thin up there. It, it, they've got to start finding some reinforcements. You, you, you combine the fact that David Bakhtiari, I, I think it's a stretch that he'd be ready for week one. Yeah. I mean, nothing's come out of Green Bay in terms of the medical, but, but coming off an ACL around Christmas time, Evo, I mean, they're going to be remarkably careful with him. He's, he's their franchise. They're going to think five, six years down the road. They're not going to think, you know, week two or three against the Lions or something like that. So um, there are a lot of questions on that offensive line as, as, as we look to the season, they really need. I wouldn't be shocked even if they went O line, O line to start the draft. And and um, it, it, it's a terrific year for offensive linemen. There's there's going to be a lot of guys on the board. I think at 29 that could probably probably be plug and play type players, guys they could go and get and, and start from, from day one. If, if there's a guy Brian Gutekunst is absolutely in love with, Evo, don't be surprised to see him jump up from you know 29 to 20 or 29 to 22 or something like that to make sure he gets his guy. If, you know, if, if, if one of these standouts, you know, the kid from USC, for example, Vera Tucker, if, he, if he's falling on the board and he's sitting there at 20, go get him, right? So um, Gutekunst has 10 draft picks to play with, Evo. Um, they, they don't have 10 spots on that roster for draft picks at this point in time. It's, mm. it's a really solid football team, top to bottom. I don't think they need more than six or seven guys coming out of this draft really? um, in terms of plugging and filling holes. I think they need to go for quality, not quantity, in this draft. And, and that's why, why I expect Gutekunst to be pretty active in, in, in the trade area of this draft. Well, Rob, I think we brought this up last week. Gutekunst has traded in every single first round of his you know young career as a GM for the Packers. I'm pretty sure has he not? Like he's he's always wheeling and dealing. He absolutely has, and he's gone up Evo to, to get players, right? It was he he initially went down in twenty nineteen, um, and, and then he went back up to get Jair Alexander and in twenty twenty he went up to get Savage and and then la you know, who's turned out to be a nice player for him at, at safety and then last year he went up for his quarterback, Jordan Love. So um it certainly is, you know, if if, if we're tracing history and following patterns of of what guys like to do, he's he's not going to be patient, and he's not going to you know wait and hope that that his guy gets there. He, he's going to go up and attack this thing and, and get his guy, much like much like Ron Wolf did a quarter century ago. If if there was a guy he wanted, he went out and got it, and and I like that level of aggressiveness. I mean, yeah. you take Love last year; that that was clearly his guy at, at, at quarterback. There was a lot of rumblings and a lot of. A lot of talk that that the Colts were were going to jump up late in that first round ahead of Green Bay and 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 take uh, Jordan Love and Gutekunst made sure that didn't happen and he went up four spots and and got the quarterback instead. Sows, cows, plows, heck, anything connected to farming's on the menu here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You know, speaking of menus, that's one thing that you kind of take for granted when it comes to county fairs, right? You go, you expect the funnel cakes, you expect the corn dogs, maybe the 4-H food stand. But all of that suddenly comes into question when it comes to our fairs in 2021. I talked about it yesterday with Jamie Butkey, Executive Secretary of the Wisconsin Fair Associations. Those vendors had to survive a year of zero income 
Did they receive assistance from the federal government? Are they even still around? That's one of the questions we discuss with her before we finish up on a Friday. How you doing? I'm Farm Director Pam Yankee. Now, from Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Friday. So today, 23rd day of April, can you believe it already? Right on through the end of the month. So on this day in 2005, the very first YouTube video was posted. It was an 18-second clip called Me at the Zoo, and it was posted by the co-founder of YouTube while he visited the San Diego Zoo. That happened on this date, 2005. On this day in 1985, Coca-Cola released the new Coke. Remember that? The formula was so unpopular that the original Coke was reintroduced as Coca-Cola Classic because new Coke fell flat on its face. On this day in 1984, the discovery of the virus that caused the AIDS epidemic was announced. It uh, won a Nobel Prize in medicine for the discovery, but it happened on this day in 1984. Happy birthday to documentarian and uh, political pundit Michael Moore, 67 years old today, and uh, wrestler John Senna. He's 44. And now you know. Well, yesterday, of course, was Earth Day, and it did not go unnoticed in Washington, D.C. I caught up with our Wisconsin Senator, Tammy Baldwin, talked about a couple different things, including her announcement that she was reintroducing the Dairy Pride Act. When it comes to Earth Day, though, she said there's a lot of conversations happening every day at the nation's capital about climate change. A lot of bipartisan conversations about climate change. And yes, agriculture is introduced as one of the main subjects they want to focus on. Agriculture in total is one of the smaller contributors to greenhouse gases, although it's not negligible. It's still important to look at. But it's one of the few sectors of our economy where we can really utilize best practices to sequester greater amounts of carbon. And yet we can't just have the expectation that farmers make these investments and change their practices without, without rewarding them for doing so. So I think there's a lot of great discussions going on right now on Capitol Hill, obviously involving the agricultural community in order to see what more we can do. That's Wisconsin Senator Tammy Baldwin. She announced yesterday that she is reintroducing the Dairy Pride Act of 2021, the goal to maintain the integrity of dairy products. We know that our dairy farmers work hard every day to meet the standards that are embedded in federal law to make sure that their milk meets the standards for nutritional value and quality. And yet we see... Every day, if you go into a grocery store, the dairy, the dairy case contains all these imitation products. These are plant-based products that call themselves milk or other dairy terms and do not have the same nutritional content. So they're basically using dairy's good name for their own benefit. Um, and that's against the law, and the law needs to be enforced. So my Bipartisan Dairy Pride Act would require that the FDA enforce the law. And this seems so straightforward. And in fact, it's frustrating that we have to introduce a law to tell the Food and Drug Administration to enforce the law. Well, that's what it's come down to. And, you know, this this mislabeling, this uh, representation, plant-based products being dairy products, 
harms not only our dairy farmers, but also consumers who are being the flood. That's Wisconsin Senator Tammy Baldwin. Like she said, it's a little frustrating that you've got to introduce legislation to make the Food and Drug Administration enforce existing law. But that's what the Dairy Pride Act of 2021 is doing. It would require non-dairy products made from things like nuts, seeds, plants, and algae to no longer be mislabeled with dairy terms like milk, yogurt, or cheese. And there's other momentum out there as far as supporting legislation. Representatives Peter Welch, a Vermont Democrat, and Mike Simpson, an Idaho Republican, have introduced bipartisan companion legislation in the House. So hopefully this time around it will be passed. All business owners want the same thing, to make their business succeed. At Rural Mutual, they help that happen. As the third largest writer of commercial business in Wisconsin, they take the time to learn your business so they can properly protect you. Call your local agent today or visit RuralMutual.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's the grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for money-saving member benefits, like discounts on select Granger products and more. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. So corn and soybeans were on an absolute tear yesterday, going higher based on world demand, concerns over cold weather, slowing down spring planting. But now they've had a little bit of a change of heart in overnight electronic trade. Now we're trading a little bit lower, just a little bit. May corn down eight cents now at 642. December corn's down six, 547. May beans are down three and a half. 1529 November beans down eight at 1330. The wheat for May down two and a quarter at 708 July new crop wheat right now down about three cents at 707 a bushel. Of course, the dairy markets were rocked yesterday by the big March milk production. Barrel cheese dropped a penny to a dollar seventy nine and a half. Forty pound black cheese down two at a dollar seventy seven and a half. The double A butter lost five and a quarter cents at one seventy four on Thursday. May milk right now is down 12 at 18.56 a hundredweight. June milk closed 37 cents lower at 18.82 a hundredweight. So like I said, the good news I bring you this morning, it looks like basically all of our county fairs are coming back in 2021. Will they look the same? Well, maybe not. And what about the partners they depend on, like the carnival rides and those food vendors? We're going to talk about it next with our friend Jamie Butkey, Executive Secretary of the Wisconsin Fairs Association. Can't get enough farm news? The stories you hear and more 24-7 at MidwestFarmReport.com. Stay tuned as we'll be right back. It's not just a place to go. It's a place for grown-ups. Some say it's a $20 vacation. This is definitely not your ordinary noisy corner bar. It's where most patrons find their own comfortable spot to chill out. The tasting room lounge, the perfect refuge to enjoy your favorite cigar, spirit, specialty beer or wine, indoor or on the patio. Find your spot at the tasting room lounge. West Broadway, Monona. 
When it comes to putting a room together, I'm brilliant. No idea where you come up with these things. You didn't put the room together. I can just scribble an idea down on a piece of paper and voila! You drew the room and handed it to a lazy boy interior designer. I don't know how I do it. These ideas just come to me. Your idea was to go to lazy boy. That's all anyone has to do. I mean, I'm not bragging. You're totally bragging. But a little planning and you could have a home that looks like this. Anybody can do that. It just takes a simple meeting with a lazy boy interior designer. It takes about an hour, then they take it from there. It just feels good to have it all come together like this. I can finally put my feet up and relax. You've had your feet up the whole time. It's time to order your custom designs for summer delivery. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison. East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. This is the story of Daniel, who was born two months early. His lungs weren't ready. His heart wasn't ready. His parents could only hope that one day he would leave the hospital healthy, and they would all live happily ever after. Daniel's is just one of the more than 500,000 stories of babies born prematurely last year. You can help the March of Dimes stop premature birth and bring more babies home healthy. Learn how at marchofdimes.com. Working together for stronger, healthier babies. Here we use a lot of F words. Food, fiber, and farming. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngkin. And here is another F word that we're happy to use. Fairs. They are coming back online in 2021. That's the good news that I found when talking with Jamie Butkey, Executive Secretary of the Wisconsin Fair Association. There's been a lot of work that's been going on behind the scenes since this time last year with county fairs to try to keep them moving forward, try to keep them thinking about what they can do given the pandemic. And now in 2021, all those ideas seem to be going in motion. I talked with Jamie yesterday and said, hands in the air if you're excited about county fairs coming back. Sure. Thanks, Pam. And both hands are in the air on the I'm ready for the fair season. Um, So I have to say that we've been having these talking out Tuesdays with our fairs. And what we're finding is they are motivated to have the fairs this year. Um, you know, we've been talking about things that they were preparing for in 2020, whether they were having their fair or not, and different measures that they were doing with their health departments. And they're taking all of that planning that they did and they're bringing it into 2021. And now they're tweaking it. And what does it mean? And, you know, where are we at? And none of us have that crystal ball and it changes on a weekly basis what things are. But I would say that the um, the mood for our fair planners is that we're having a fair season. Um, we are working with health departments always following the guidelines that are out there, but uh, we we are planning on having a fair season uh, this year. And we've seen some really good trends. We're members of the International Association of Fairs and Expositions, IAFE, and we've been watching how other fairs, it's different fair season for other states right now. So like Florida is active in one of their fair seasons. And we're seeing that people are coming out. They're getting good numbers at their fair. And we're also seeing that people's spending habits have been up as well. So we're hoping that that's something that transitions as it comes to Wisconsin as well. Right. Excellent. And now I've got to ask, because of the postponement, cancellation, whatever you want to call it last year for basically most of our fairs, Jamie, how are they doing financially as they go into 2021? 
let's say they're cautious, um, and yet it's it's a hard thing to plan for, right? So when they canceled last year, they were able to, you know, roll contracts over, um, and they were able to save some money because they maybe canceled early enough. And I know some people usually question, well, why did they cancel so early? Hey, you can save some money if, if you do some of those things. You could protect it. And that's what they did. Last year, they were in protective mode to say, how can we keep fares going long term? And I think the thing for going into this year is how many people are going to come out? You know, we want to be really, truly respectful of everyone who wants to come. There's those that are going to want to wear masks, those that don't want to wear masks, those that just want to get out and and be social again. And I'd like to say, you know, at a lot of our fairs, they have educational uh, displays and and we talk about, you know, playing in the sandbox or we have a lot of corn boxes that are. And I say, if everyone can just play well in the corn box together um, and respect what everyone's opinion is and, and understand that fairs can't really promote social distancing. I mean, it's, it's a fair, right? Um, but just be respectful of everyone who's around us. And I think that's the one thing that, you know, fairs are really taking it. They're, they're listening to their health departments. They're doing the guidelines that they can, but it's not a perfect world. We can't, can't create that environment. It, it's a fair. It's meant to be social, right? Um, and I would say the one thing that I think the fairs maybe have the hardest time planning this year is how many people are actually going to be out and about. Is it going to be the same as we've had in the past? Is it going to be a little bit more? Because um, that affects a lot of things. It affects the food vendors. It affects the, the operation hours, um, everything that they plan for. So that's the one big uncertainty this year. But I have to believe that people are waiting to get back to fairs and that it should be a great fair season. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of elements that go into any fair. Uh, what about the support system that we depend on, Jamie? Those vendors, those carnival acts, uh, the rides, all of that. Uh, talk to me about what you're learning about the infrastructure, the support system that a county fair depends on. Yeah, there are so many different ingredients. It's crazy. Um, and one of the things that some of our fairs are struggling is volunteers. Um, they've had different service clubs that maybe parked cars and maybe they're not, they're not meeting like they used to. So you might not have that same booster club that's able to come and, you know, a work a gate or so forth. So I think there's some fairs that are looking for more of that. And some of our superintendents or our volunteers are of different ages. And sometimes that takes a factor into whether or not they will or will not come back at the fair. But the fair is also trying to make sure that they're putting all the proper um, protections in place for all of all of their volunteers as well. Um, the other thing is like, you know, the, the vendors, you know, a lot of them, can we all get by one year on that safety net to say, hey, I, was, I, was, I wasn't working? Um, but think about that. Their livelihood depends upon how many corn dogs they sell or how many rides are, you know, people going and stuff like that. So there is a huge chain reaction. And even your local service clubs, like think about how many of them have food stands at your fair that maybe couldn't give back to the community this past year like they typically did because they didn't have those big fundraisers that generated a lot. So there's, there's a big ripple effect of different components that come into every fair. Yeah. And then, like you said, then there's the the question mark of who's going to show up? Will they show up? And that, I guess, is going to have to be something we're all going to wait and see. Exactly. And, you know, we're always watching the, the, the COVID numbers and it's, you know, it can be totally different in the northern part of the state or the southern. I mean, it's really that's something we watch as well. And you know, there's 74 different ways to run a fair, and, and, and their local ordinances are all a little bit different as well. So, um, again, our fairs are, I have been working with all of them to stay on top of it. Um, but, yeah, we're all we're hoping that everyone, you know, will come out and, and be able to enjoy the aspects that a fair has to offer. So how do you suggest that people try to stay up to date on this, Jamie? I mean, it's uh, 
it's crazy how trying to keep all the spit, plates spinning when it comes to county fairs, individual decisions, county boards, uh, public uh, health officials. How can they kind of stay engaged in the process? Any suggestions? Sure. So I think the easiest thing is, so our website is wifairs.com, and we have 75 fairs, county, district, and state that are members of ours um, that we promote their fair dates, and we have links to their websites, to their social media, um, so you're catching Facebook and and so forth, and I think that's the best way um, to contact those fairs and um, there is one page that will take you to every link that we have possible for those members. But I think if you're heading out to that fair, it doesn't hurt you that that week before you're following up to make sure, like we're in the process right now of creating the entertainment schedule. And, you know, we start that process. We're going to send that to print in May and, you know, it's out in everybody's hands in June. Well, something could change. So we, you know, that information will be out there, but it's the same thing. Follow up that week before, make sure that, the event that you think is taking place is doing it without doing a lot of phone calls to the fairs because they're trying to get everything else done. I think there are website to link to their website and their social media pages is going to be the best thing to do. So that's wifairs.com. Got to give a shout out to the resilient fair board members that have weathered through this. I mean, you have been on nonstop conversations with them since last fall. Well, earlier than that, but really hardcore Last fall, you had to transition basically your entire state convention online. I mean, shout out to those resilient fair board members that are not getting paid generally and uh, still stuck to it. They have been phenomenal. So last year when we were deciding what we were doing, right, so we started meeting last year in April. We went for 15 weeks talking about that process. This year, because we couldn't have our annual convention in January, we turned around and did did 12 weeks starting that very first week in February of these Talk It Out Tuesdays. And the same thing, like, what are we doing in place? What did we learn from last year? Where are we at? How are we getting people out? And and it, it's a support group, and I know it's, it may sound funny, but us meeting on a weekly basis and seeing other smiling faces um, over Zoom and or we're all having the same issue or, hey, I haven't thought about that or, hey, you know, just keep this in, in mind when you're planning ahead. It says a lot, and I could not be any more proud than I am. They have thought outside of the box on how they've had to reset some of their buildings if they wanted to do one-way traffic. And, and there's things that came out of 2020 that are just still going to be implemented in 2021. We have some that have now said, hey, exhibitors can sign up for a set time that they come in and they bring in all their exhibits, and they've streamlined some things. And we've even done some virtual judging. There's some fairs that are still going to bring those components back for those who might not be comfortable coming out yet, or it has streamlined the process. So there's been some good things that have have come out, but they have been working so hard, and I could not be prouder of them. Always trying to find a silver lining. That's Jamie Butkey, Executive Secretary of the Wisconsin Fairs Association. As she said, it looks like it's a green light. Thumbs up for our county fairs in Wisconsin again this year. As she said, things can change. So stay up to speed on what's going on. Their website again, wifairs.com. That's wifairs.com. And of course, we'll keep you posted as well with any details that we receive at midwestfarmreport.com. Jamie Butke, our guest. That'll do it for a Friday. Enjoy your weekend. We'll catch up with you Monday, same time, same channel. Sign up for daily agriculture updates by joining our email list. Head to MidwestFarmReport.com, enter your email.